Welcome to Memphis Machine, a Muddy Pig production. I'm Jonathan Bass. And I'm Carl Casperson, and together we're looking to show off the creative sights and sounds of Memphis, Tennessee. Amen. In this episode of Memphis Machine, we got to hang out with Weevil's Brian Craig. Weevil is... Um, W-E-V-L. W-E-V-L is a long-standing volunteer public radio station. 89.9 or, or 90. digital tuner. They say as, 90. As Bashful Bob always oh, says. Oh, man. Oh, man, I love Bashful Bob. You hear a wide spectrum of human beings making music coming out of Weevil, which I think is just awesome. Yeah, and like you said, it's it's volunteer radio, so I mean, it's it literally is. You can I mean, you can literally walk in with an idea for a show and probably get a spot if they yeah. have one. I mean, it's yeah, the people are who are very knowledgeable about what they listen to come in with their own collections and play and inform and it's it's a that's really all I listen to in the car. So tune into this episode, so to speak. Yes, <laughs> and enjoy our time with Brian Craig. Our special guest today is Brian. Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me. Hey, <laughs> good to be here. We're good to have you here. We're, I, we're actually at WEVL. We are actually in in the bowels of, of WEVL, and um, it, I I didn't know what to expect, but this 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 is like a cornucopia of just uh, of history and and artistry and all of it. So uh, we usually start off with a little biography. How about telling us how how you ended up and how Weevil became to be. State your name, what you do. Uh, Brian Craig, program <laughs> director. <laughs> Social security number is. Um, well, the station started in 1976. And um, at the time, there were uh, kind of a, what they called the community radio movement going around where uh, people would start non-commercial stations and have, uh, you know, volunteers come in and do programs yeah and uh some people wanted to start one of those for memphis and uh you know the uh even in the 70s way more people listened to am than fm so uh it wasn't you know till about 79 or 80 that fm really took off as the main commercial radio medium so uh it was easier to get a frequency back then so they applied and and got back then the 90.3 we weren't 89.9 we were 90.3 but they were only 10 watts and so those 10 watts only covered midtown wow and so um back in those days the commercial appeal would list the radio stations every day and i would always see the listing i'd see wvl but where i lived in east memphis i could not pick up wvl right so i was really curious as to what that was and i was in the uh, old highland branch library over across from channel 13 that i think that closed about 10 years ago and uh, there was a stack of wvl program guides and so I picked one of those up and started looking at it. And I'm, you know, 13 or 14 then. And it was really intriguing. You know, they had all these different types of music and all these different types of shows. And I still couldn't pick it up. And so finally, I, my dad hooked up the antenna to my stereo to our television antenna on top of our house in East Memphis. And suddenly I could pick up WVL on my stereo. So I started becoming a listener. And uh came down a friend of mine and i came down to the station which was in the exchange building in those days and uh thought they'd give us a tour and we ended up being volunteers and so i was a uh, uh, started out being a volunteer when i was 15 wow. and then 10 years later it turned into a job yeah and um 
they pretty much knew back then that 10 watts was not going to be very effective because you literally could only hear it uh, really within the parkways. And yeah. it was funny back then you'd do a show and someone would uh, call you from Germantown. And you'd be like, wow, how are you able to listen in Germantown? Right. You know, that's just, that was just uh, amazing. They'd have some elaborate antenna or something to pick up WVL. And now, of course, since we stream, you know, you get emails from people all over the world. So that's, yeah. that's been just a huge difference. But, but back when they came on the air, they immediately applied to move up to higher power. And so um, we moved up to the current range that covers all of Memphis in 1986. So um, the uh, and but that required a change of frequency. So we we moved to 89.9, and we were off the air for two years uh, to make that change because yeah. they didn't uh, with a 10 watt station. It was very difficult to raise money. Oh my goodness! So we raised a lot of money doing uh, spaghetti dinners at the PNH Cafe and a lot of shows at the Antenna Club, especially Tad Falco and the Panther Burns and Alex Chilton. Yeah, we're always real good yeah. about doing benefits for us, and finally, somehow we came up with the with the money. But we kept um, what what happened was when we got permission to move frequencies and go up to higher power, uh, Mississippi Public Radio applied for our, our frequency for Oxford. And because that opened up that frequency for down there, right. and uh, they had the money to come on the air. And at some point, we had reached the deadline, and we had to just go off the air so they could come on the air. And uh, we kept getting extensions, and um, finally, uh, Judy Dorsey, who's the station manager here, kept filing the extensions, even though people were saying that um, no, FCC's finally going to say no, you're just you're just done. But they kept uh, granting us the extensions, and we finally, uh, in February of '86, came back on the air. So, and then I've been as an employee since April of '92. So, so that's my story. That's killer. You know, I I. I Probably uh, one of the biggest fans. I live out in Collierville. Hewlett and Dunn Boot and Jeans Store. That, that's all they play is, is Weevil is out there. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's, it's it's been a you know always coming and listening to all the different you know. I, that's how I discovered the station basically. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know if this pertains to it directly, but the the community radio movement. I was actually on the way here listening to an interview with Elvis Costello, and he. When his father was a musician, and so when they were coming up, he he mentioned the fact that you know the BBC were that was the only radio. That's right. right? Yes. And so uh, he was talking about the um, the the basically the battle between the BBC and or the or agreement, not really a battle, uh, the agreement between the BBC and the musicians musicians union um, for really there were only they came to the agreement that they were only allowed five hours a day for music. Right. So right. they would not put it, the musicians out of work, you know, and, and I thought that was really interesting. You know, I, I, so many things you take for granted. You know? <laughs> and, and so he, he was uh, saying it, later in the same interview, he, he mentioned that, um, you know, this was before the uh, community movement of, of radio or pirate stations, as he says. I, I think. Yeah, they had yeah. a lot of pirate stations yeah. in the 60s because yeah. of the BBC monopoly over there that would be on the ships. And yeah. also uh, Radio Luxembourg was a big deal over in uh, right. Britain because right. you could pick that up and they played more. But they didn't have like, you know, American style rock music until the late 60s uh, when the BBC and it was still the BBC the BBC opened up several different channels or four I think at the time but now uh, they have of course all kinds of radio over there but, sure, yeah. but the idea like in the US where you have you know I don't know I think there's like 40 or 50 frequencies in Memphis now but mm -hmm. even even um, you know 
40, 50 years ago, you still had, you know, 20 or so. So that was just unheard of in other countries. Well, can we talk about the uh, the volunteer based mm-hmm. system you got here? Or yeah, we uh, pretty much uh, we carry a couple of shows from uh, out of town. Mm-hmm. A show called E Town and a show called Acoustic Cafe, and also mm-hmm. Many Moods of Ben Vaughn, which started as a WBL show, Great but show. he syndicates it now uh, from LA all over the place. But the rest of the shows are done by our volunteers. Who uh, you know, we're real lucky to to have people who really know and love the genre of music that they do. That uh, is just something that uh, we're just people are just astounded by is where do you find people who know so much about blues or country or Mm -hmm. jazz or whatever so uh and we've had people who've been doing shows for a long time and that's also been good here that we've had a lot of stability uh with certain shows like joyce cobb who i think has been on your right yeah yeah. uh she's been doing a show since either 81 or 82 wow and then the ridge runner who does our bluegrass show has been on since 1981 that's a great show so uh that's uh you know been we haven't had nearly the amount of turnover, it seems like, that a lot of stations like this do. Because that is, you know, that is the uh, problem with the volunteer aspect of it is if the, one of the volunteers has to go away for some reason, you know, they move or, uh, you know, can't, just can't do it anymore. Sometimes right. that uh, marriage and children will make it where if they can't do that anymore. We can't just easily replace somebody because wow. you, know, you don't have someone who has their music collection or their knowledge. So that can be uh, people sometimes say, well, why did you get rid of this show? Well, we didn't get rid of it. They right. just went away, you know, <laughs> and there was no one there who could do uh, a Cajun show for like right now we don't have a Cajun or Zydeco show which we did for a long time because the um, woman who was doing it before just had to quit and mm-hmm. so uh, that's kind of one of the so there's good things and bad things about the volunteer yeah. thing but generally it's a good thing that we have so many you know diverse types of music and because we have, uh, you know, somebody will say, like, well, WBL is not diverse enough. And it's like, well, you know, on Saturday it's, night, we start out with soul, and then it's hardcore rap, then southern gospel music, and then a kind of indie rock show, heavy metal, and reggae, all within, like, 10 hours, you know. So, I mean, that's almost, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's crazy diverse, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's pretty wild that that's how, like, that's how people's phone, I mean, that's how people's music selection, uh, that reflects today's listeners, don't you think? I mean, well, yeah, I think that uh, people today have uh, more diverse music tastes than yeah. they did for a while, you know. I think maybe at one time people's tastes were, you know, when I was a little kid, like the top 40 stations might play, you know, the Isley Brothers, followed by Charlie Rich, followed mm-hmm. by... Uh, Black Oak, Arkansas, or something. You know, if you, mm-hmm. it would be a. But then it seemed like things really got. You know, like when I was in high school, I can remember. You know, it's almost lunch tables were different types of music. You know, yeah, the heavy metal kids and the right. pop kids and the country kids or whatever, and people didn't expand beyond that. But now it does seem like you know a lot of today you'll hear people who have everything from bluegrass yeah. to hip hop on yeah. their phone. Oh and yeah, so I think that helps WVL. Is that and that's one of the really. Um, rewarding things about this station sometimes is that you'll hear people say well i tuned into the station because you know i liked this type of music but i started listening to the show afterwards and now i really you know find out that i like this kind right. of music too so that yeah. people really or, or they say you know i never really thought that i liked this until i started listening to your you know your station so yeah uh, that's one of the favorite things that i think uh, to me that we do is really expand people's musical yeah yeah, I think, yeah, that's huge. I mean, well, I think there's also, 
just to be a little corny, there, there's a ma- there's kind of a magic to radio, right? So I, I like everybody else, listen to a lot of Spotify and you know consume my music that way. Um, but I also listen to the Weevil a lot, and so I have a, a five year old and a nine year old, and I was driving them to school the other day, and uh, we usually have Weevil on because it's just easy, you know. And, uh, you, you know, you're driving, so you just rig up your phone and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we listen to Weevil a lot. Well, and, of course, because we like it. But to so so um, I was basically telling my kids, you know, hey, tomorrow I'm I'm going to speak to the guy who runs that, that station. And they're like, station? And I'm like, that's <laughs> across their face, you know, like this man behind the curtain, you know, sort of, sort, sort of experience, you know, up here because there's somebody else on the other end, you know, making all that stuff happen, you know, whereas the on-demand side of things, it's, you know, it's not quite as personal. You know? Well, that's one of the things that we hear some of the programmers will tell you that they ran a store or something and uh, someone will, say like where have i heard your voice before and yeah. then it'll dawn on them like do you do a show on wvl <laughs> and they're always thrilled to be recognized like that so um yeah radio is um uh, a lot of times probably the most uh, intimate of mediums because a lot of people listen to it by them you know a lot of people are in their car by themselves mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. and uh so it's more and uh kind of a one-on-one kind of uh, relationship that people have so i think that helps make it more and you can't see the person so there's some mystery as to what the person looks like you know have you ever um seen heard someone like a dj or something on the radio that didn't look anything like you expected. Oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, yeah. we live in a very visual world now. You know, right. even uh, when I was a kid, a lot of times you didn't really know a whole lot about what the musicians you listened to list, looked like because they might not be on TV. You know, back when I was a kid, right. rock musicians were not, you know, you didn't see Led Zeppelin on TV, for instance. Right. You know, so you just had like a fuzzy picture or mm-hmm. something. But now, you know, ever since... Uh, since video and all came around in the 80s everybody everything's a real visual medium now so i think there is something very different when it's just kind of a more of a mysterious thing i heard a musicologist being interviewed and he he was making the case that mtv created the hair metal i mean they're one of the one of the main proponents of like the hair metal scene being that you you know you just couldn't make a video of the eagles up there just right relaxed and doing their song like you had to have this audacious, you know, almost circus of, of explosion happening, you know, it, that, that was, you know, so it almost kind of really made the scene into something that maybe it would not have been were it not for the video aspect of it. There's a lot of, uh, especially, we were always joking the other day about a lot of those like 70s soft rock bands. Yeah. You have no idea what they look like, but yeah, you do know what they look like because they all kind of look, you know, they all kind of look the same in a way. And so, so, so how, how do you acquire new volunteers? Is, is it people coming up and just, in, you know, or, or is there any like how, how do you how do you get other well, DJs people apply to do shows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they, they uh, you know, we'll uh, get an application, and then if it's an idea that uh, we think is something we need on the radio here, we'll yeah. interview them and see if they're qualified to do it, and. Um, the uh you know we avoid we try to you know you do get applications from people who uh you know their goal in life is to be a commercial radio dj or something Uh, this this is not the place you know there's other places to go with the uh, university of memphis station or this uh county school station to to pursue a career in broadcasting so but you do get people who want to do that and we try to uh avoid uh that but can, can, can you say? Can you talk about why? 
you try to avoid that. <laughs> well, because this is, you know, the people that do the shows here do it for a love of a particular music, usually. Mm-hmm. It's right. kind of a community service. And, you know, we're just not in the business of training people to do pro, uh, professional radio because it wouldn't be, you know, if you're working for a, uh, a commercial radio station, you're going to be told what to play. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a limited playlist. And here yeah. you have to plan your own shows. So it's just a completely different thing. We do not tell people what to uh you know what to play they play what they want in in their in their genre you know they just yeah. have to maintain the fcc rules you know you can't oh. you can't be obscene on the radio or or uh, certain other other regulations like that but other than that uh you know they uh we we let it be up to uh stefan who's in the room here uh, what he feels like should be on the night train is up to him yeah so and, and that's, of course, the, the, the big difference between us and a commercial radio station. Right. You know, when I was uh, to be up at uh, some of the commercial stations sometimes, a friend of mine was a longtime DJ. And back then, he um, would, they would have A, B, C, and D categories. And so he had to play like a A, a B, a C. But it was still kind right. of his choice of what A to play. So he just had to play a selection from, from that. And then as the years went on, then it suddenly just became a computerized list. And he would just have to pull play this song next. And now he still works in radio. And now it's just on a computer thing. Right. He doesn't even have to. You know, he just stops the thing and talks. And um, so that's very, very different than what we're doing. So. Yeah. Yeah. So do, do you vet them? I mean, do you do, do, you do a dry run with them, see how they are? or? Uh? Well, we teach them how to be broadcast, you know, how to to do that, you know, so we, you don't have to have the world's perfect voice or, you know, any kind of uh, skills like that. We do vet them very well. You're about to turn a live mic over to someone, so it has to be someone that you trust is not going to, you know, start the revolution here on WBL or anything of that type. Uh, And it has to be someone, you know, you trust to leave in the building, you know, with a live microphone and and radio equipment. So so we do vet them in that area. But that's another thing that, uh, you know, is real rewarding is that we're able to take people from all walks of life and uh, make them into uh, radio DJs here. That's fantastic. I mean, you don't have to say any names or we don't have to talk about anything. Are there any horror stories? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's been a revolution. (laughs) Well, not really. You know, not in a long time have we had anything anything like that. But people have had to be told this is not the right place for them, you know, over the years. Putting out some personal information or uh, the the relationship that that was – Falling apart, <laughs> being talked about. <laughs> like you, you, you at home, you know, you flip on the radio, like, and then you have to make a mad dash down here to shut it down. <laughs> yeah, no, I've never had to. <laughs> luckily, I can do that by phone if I have to. You know, you can shut the station. You can turn the transmitter <laughs> nice. off by yeah. telephone. So oh, I needed to do that, but like, never had anything like oh, that. Good. Never had anything quite like that. But the uh, now, certainly, things were way different back when you only had ten watts. You didn't have to worry as much about the. <laughs> you know fcc and that but um no we uh you know 99 percent of our programmers have always done a really responsible yeah. you know good job and really try to do the best they can in they're, they're into the mission aren't they, they? really yeah. are yes. yeah i mean we're real awesome. lucky just to uh you know some people always wonder like you know you have these volunteers and they show up every week you know if you yeah. do a show at Two o'clock on Thursday, you're expected to be here at two right. o'clock every Thursday. And if you can't be here, you've got to make arrangements for something else to, to air. And they're really good about that. And uh, people often wonder, like, how do you uh, get people to do that? But they do it because they really love love doing it. So 
As you've had your proverbial finger to the wind of Memphis music and sounds trends, what 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 are your thoughts on that? Like, how's Memphis music doing, per se? Well, the uh, you know, there's so much talent in Memphis. Yeah, I mean, there really is, and um, but it just seems like nothing has really kind of broken out of here in a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, to be beyond Memphis, and and that's the the one thing that I I wish we had uh, some way in Memphis of uh, trying to have people look beyond just being big in Memphis. You know, you need to to be all over. And I mean, I don't I don't have the answer to that. Yeah, you know, Memphis. Hey, real quick, Memphis Machine would like to thank Snakebite for their sponsorship of the podcast. Snakebite Made in America makes the best keychain, beer, bottle opener, and folding fork church key along with their excellent professional bartending tool, the Mamba. You can check out Snakebite at www.snakebiteco. That's snakebiteco.com. You know, in 1973, Memphis was the fourth largest music business city in the United States still. And then within a few years, that just, you know, Stax goes bankrupt and yeah. High gets sold to an out-of-town corporation. Right. Al Green becomes a preacher and <laughs> Chip's, Chip's moment in American Studios moves to, you know, Nashville. So, uh, that all just kind of died. And I've always seen, it seems like we've had this sense ever since the 70s that we've got to bring that back. Hmm. And, uh, you know, we've had different music foundations and initiatives to do that and um i I don't think that's the right approach you know i don't think any kind of government agency or anything is gonna bring the music business back here but uh i I really don't know but there's certainly a lot of talented artists here we we just met a a guy uh chris chris pope uh at ernestine hazel's right across the street here uh sunday uh he, he was um he was in austin for 15 years and I asked him, you know, Austin, you know, it's a recognized music hub. He says, yeah, but, you know, you you get to a a point, if you're going to be an artist and try and pursue original artistic expressions of music, it kind of, you kind of get locked into like, well, I I need to tour, but you only make so much in this area, but, you know, then I'm trying to subsidize being a sideman and, and, you know, he he was feeling like you kind of get boxed into uh, a realm to where all of a sudden you're not... You're you're off mission of of trying to be an independent artist, and he felt like coming to Memphis, he could afford again to be more more of a full time artist. Well, of course, Austin has their kind of niche of being the live music capital. Yeah, apparently there's more live music in Austin on any given night, right, than uh, anywhere else. And uh, you know, different. Uh, yeah, we were talking right before the podcast. Is there's so much music business in Nashville? Yeah, now. And that probably hurts Memphis's cause of when Nashville was just the country music capital and the right. uh, religious music capital was pretty much all they really, really yeah. did there. I mean, occasionally someone like you know Bob Dylan or Neil Young would go record an album there to kind of the sound, but there really wasn't a whole lot of other kind of music coming out of Nashville. And now that there is, that probably hurts us from a commercial music sense. Yeah, it's still, I, I mean, it, it's a more expensive economy to to do business in i guess hopefully that's still the appeal of memphis of like that's true and and the other thing is because that's such a uh, commercial music scene in the industry is there there's a lot of things that one could could not do there yeah elvis could not have come out of nashville yeah you know he would have had to have come out of someplace like sun records because in nashville you already had the the major labels of the time would never have taken a chance on an artist that different and uh, that's one of the things that you know memphis has always um had 
again, just the diversity of music. You know, when you think if it's everything from Sun, Stax, to, uh, you know, Alex Chilton and Big Star and what they did at Ardent and, right. you know, American Studios with the Chips Moment. We had uh, me and a couple other uh, WBL disc jockeys got a historical marker for American Studios up at Thomas and Chelsea. Oh, cool. Uh, several years ago. And uh, Chips Moment was still alive. So that was real uh, rewarding to have him come. Uh, he was not in good health, but he was able to come to the ceremony and uh, oh, wow. and see him get honored because that, right. you know, Sun has one and Royal and uh, Stax does, but American was kind of the forgotten. Uh, studio and that's mm-hmm. where Elvis uh, you know made his big comeback in 69 yeah. and uh, Neil Diamond and BJ Thomas's hits came out of there and Dusty Springfield Dusty in Memphis and a whole lot of other things so that was uh, just you look at the diversity of things that were coming out of Memphis over the years and, and still are that that I think it that helps that we're not you know one of the corporate music centers like LA or, or Nashville in that sense right but, uh, there probably does need to be a little bit more music business here you know for to kind of advance people's career but there's a lot of uh, things going on it seems like yeah um, in in that regards of things like podcast and the uh, TV thing that's going on here so yeah I mean uh, she I mean the stu- uh, Phillips is back and going and, sure. uh, um, Matt Ross sprang you know, being spang. Ba- spang, sprang, sprang, he sprained <laughs> his, no, uh, you know, being based out of there. Um, David Porter, uh, yeah. doing his endeavors here. And, uh, um, I mean, yeah, I've, I've been in town six years and I, I've run into an insane amount of talented musicians and artists. So do you think, uh, like you mentioned, uh, government assistance or, uh, is, is not the way to pop Memphis back on the scene, but obviously, uh, a, a breakout artist would be you know, like another Elvis, so to speak. Not that there would be another Elvis, but uh, you know, basically, uh, do you think that would be the way Memphis could could pop back in there? Well, that would certainly help a whole Wouldn't lot. It? Yeah, you know, we had, um, um, you know, we do get the occasional artist that comes here to uh, record a song. You know, right. Some Bruno Mars Uptown Funk. Yeah. That happened was, a, you know, I think the biggest hit of the year and that was recorded uh, in Memphis. So, right. Um, at one time, we had more of that too. People, you know, as we mentioned, American had Neil Diamond and various people would come here to come here to record. Uh, but, oh yeah, I think a breakout artist would be a big, big thing that uh, there was something going on. You know, it, like Justin Timberlake, he still flirts are still ha- I mean, he has family here in town still. Mm-hmm. Um, I know his guitarist. Uh, you know, the, they they do their shows. You know, here uh, every every month or so. Uh, it doesn't really seem like he has any kind of uh, commitment on another I, level. I mean, he doesn't record here. Yeah, he's not based right. here. Yeah. you know. So, uh, you know, somebody like that could probably do a whole lot. To yeah. Well, we 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 happen to look at a. An album of uh, this, this punk band right behind uh, Jonathan here. Album of the, uh, I guess I guess oh, we can yes. say the, the the clits, so to speak, spelled with a K. Right. Yeah. So we're not breaking any FCC rules with with, with that, right? Hey, man, we're a podcast. Okay, we're you a don't podcast. Have to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, is is that indicative of, of some bands coming back around, or you know, the, what what's, what's the story behind these uh, this punk band here? Well, they were. Um one of Jim Dickinson's projects back yeah. in the late seventies, and uh, you know there's been a lot of uh, some interest in uh, interviews and things. So I think they've come around and kind of reformed and are doing some shows and re-releasing some things that they've had in the can. Yeah, 
out there. Yeah, Memphis has a, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people, the, the Memphis uh, kind of underground scene of the of the past has, is interesting to a lot of, you know, there's been a couple of, Robert Gordon wrote that book, It Came From Memphis, and uh-huh. some other things that talk yeah. about that whole kind of springs out of Alex Chilton and Big Star and we mentioned Panther Burns earlier and uh, people who were doing things in Memphis that you would not expect to be done here, you know, in that era, you know, here you have this kind of... (laughs) The Oblivions, uh, well, I'm reaching a little forward, I guess, I'm sorry. Um, The Oblivions and um, Jay... Jay Retard? Later, yes, yeah. you've always so you've yeah. always had kind of this interesting underground scene yeah. that a lot of times doesn't um, seem to get much notice until after it's kind of over with. Right. But, or, but that's a good thing that uh, people, again, we were talking about having the freedom to do those kind of yeah. things, but it's somewhat, uh, I don't know if y'all ever, because I think it only showed one time. Did y'all see the documentary about the Antenna Club? No, I'm not. You know, which was our long time kind of uh, music home of punk and new wave and that sort right. of thing that... Uh, it was around from the uh, 1981 to 1996. Oh, wow. Uh, was the, uh, I believe it was the second longest running club of that type outside of uh, CBGB's in New York. And uh, some people did a documentary about it. Oh, wow. But you, that's just something you would not expect that to be in Memphis, Tennessee. Right. So... So speaking of, so do you get time to go out and hear live music? Is that you know not a whole lot? Yeah, you know, I mean, this is a real time-intensive job. I, I so believe I'm, it. I'm here a whole lot, and usually right. a lot of times uh, just go home. You know, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, I do need to get out more. Actually, yeah, and, and yeah. We've uh, probably my favorite haunts of late are Bar DKDC, and um, did I say that right? No. Yeah. No. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah right yeah <laughs> it's like my coffee hasn't quite kicked in yet of course Ernst and Hazel's you know are our, 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 our Sunday night haunt of course we are lucky that you get to see a lot of some you know live music down here like today yeah. uh, act called the Wealthy West are you familiar with him Is I no. saw that on Facebook today yeah. actually yeah. he's, he's going to be playing live in the studio at four and then we've Very got cool. our uh, pledge drive coming up uh, a week from Friday and during that time we'll have a you know, usually a lot of bands yeah. and singers will come in and uh, play live. So we do get to see a lot of people play Very in cool. the studio here. And so the Weevil is 100% listener supported, right? That is correct, yeah, yes. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, we great. Uh, get 90% of our income comes from the pledge drives that we do twice a year. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we have a big event in the summer called Blues in the Bluff. Right. Which, uh, the, the Ornamental Metal Museum. And, um, then uh you know just miscellaneous we'll, we'll sometimes do another event sometimes uh like uh you know in a club or someplace mm-hmm. we used yeah. to do concerts of the high tone and uh we uh do uh laughlin yard we did something a couple of years ago so we might do a thing of that type but it, it mainly 90 percent of it comes from the uh two pledge drives that we have but it's all listener supported how often do you have live bands coming in it just kind of varies, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. we've got um, there during the pledge drive. Now we will try to have uh, you know three or four during that week, but uh, a, a lot of times that's kind of programmer driven. You know, like Ed oh, who okay. does through the cracks. Just ask it. I have uh, wealthy wealthy West on today, and sure. So you know, you'll get uh, the programmers will have someone down, and uh, you know, occasionally you get people who are passing through from out of town. You know, we've had everyone, uh, you know, Tony Joe White, who just passed away, yes. has been down here several times. Wow. And um, uh, Ike Turner has been down here oh, before wow. in the past. So we've got to meet a lot of different um, musicians and things. A legendary rockabilly artist who's 
uh, not with us anymore. Billy Lee Riley has come hmm. down here sometimes, so it's always uh, you see the wall of a lot of these. Some a lot of these people have been down here before. Yeah, so not yeah. all of them, but but that's, that's awesome. always uh, interesting and fun to uh, get to meet different people. Clarence Gatemouth Brown, legendary blues artist, came down here. Definitely have to get a lot of pictures here uh, today. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you just read my mind. Just looking looking around. Just don't want to do a panoramic, you know, whatever that setting is. So how long have you guys been streaming now? Is it? it uh, I don't know, man. Well, a while. Yeah, I mean, right? Yeah. So, so how, how, how's, how's that dance for, for you as far as like digital, you know, Spotify, public radio? How, how's it all? Is it, is it pretty seamless for you or is it like... Uh, um, or do you think of it as competition, or is just you know the the, the brave new music world that we're well, in? Well, I mean, it's definitely competition. Yeah, you know, because now you have your audio sources. You have, I mean, I was talking to someone the other day, like uh, we were talking about the bluegrass show, and you know, you think thirty years ago, if you wanted to hear bluegrass, your choice was to either tune into our show on Saturday morning that did that, mm-hmm. or you could buy your own collection and play it. Right, but now you have all kinds of other choices to hear different genres of music. But I think what we have going for them that just like Spotify doesn't is it's actually a person doing it. You know, exactly. I mean, you can hear bluegrass, but you can't hear the old Ridge Runner who hosts our bluegrass show. Yeah, and I think as long as people appreciate having a real personality, you know, selecting the music and be on the air, I think we can effectively compete uh, with those things even more than the commercial. You know, the commercial radio stations a lot of times is just you know someone playing classic rock you know where you can get that anywhere there's no difference in classic rock on the radio or classic rock on uh sirius xm but something that's unique like this uh i think we'll can compete with that new audio world yeah i i mean as i'm just talking as a consumer um commercial radio like i I don't really understand like what what is their what's their business plan of late with with everything you know how i, I the appeal to me of, of like of, of wvl or, or or something of that like is, is for someone uh to act as a librarian almost and help me discover you know if i could connect with that with, with that host with that radio host that I, I feel like yeah like we have something in common with with the genre of music and and they kind of do the groundwork of finding you know new music or or or, or, or lost tapes or something from from an artist that i like then that's that's huge well know? and you know commercial radio and radio is everywhere it's easy to access mm-hmm. yeah. and you know you have people of a certain older generation that that's kind of all they knew so that might still be the first place that they go so it's, it's going to be when the younger generation comes around that that might not be the first place right you know they go uh you know the world is 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 in audio i think it's just going to kind of end up kind of like television yeah. Did, you know when when i was a kid we had four channels if you wanted to watch tv right. you you watched one of those four channels and then all of a sudden you know cable comes around and then uh streaming netflix and that sort of thing has just uh made that world just extremely diverse and right. so i think uh but there's still a role for pbs for instance you know they still do a lot of types of shows that no one else is going to do and so yeah. i see us as very similar to to that sort of thing so, yeah so how how unique is your situation at WL like uh, i mean how many radio stations are there that are listener driven like this well 
the, the thing that really sponsor. makes us unique is that it is just Southern Communication Volunteers, which mm-hmm. is the organization that owns WVL, okay. which is just WVL. So there's no other, uh, there's no bigger organizations. You know, you might have stations that have uh, volunteers and uh, similar programming, but uh, they're owned by really a college or university. Right. right. Or, you know, in the case of a, a station that we like uh, a lot, a lot of people here like WWOZ in New Orleans, is owned by the Jazz and Heritage Foundation that right. puts on Jazz Fest every year. But uh, we are just WVL, and there's only a handful of those. I mean, I have the only one I can think of within um, uh, close by to here is one in St. Louis, KDHX, is yeah, just okay. owned by a you know double helix company. Right. But a lot of these stations have some you know other bigger organization behind them. Right. So that's a, and of course that makes us completely independent. So that's yeah. a that's a good thing. You know that we. Uh, can uh, pretty much program the way we we want to program it yeah yeah that's fantastic yeah that's great brian thank you so much well, thanks um, for having me uh so so obviously tune in uh on your radio 89.9 89.9 as far, as far as streaming uh wvl.org w- yeah awesome um I'm looking forward to. Uh, I, I need to discover some some new shows myself. I always catch the gospel show Sunday morning when I'm. Well, I think you had a new one on yesterday. Driving off to uh, yes, yes, last Southern, t- t- uh, Tuesday yesterday. night we have a new show with uh, Bryson on Tuesday nights from Southern six to Avenue eight. Uh-huh. Yeah. That, yeah, and uh, he's just uh, that. Uh, yeah, last night was his first first real two okay. hour show. He'd done okay, like an hour new. for yeah. a while, but uh, really good reviews so far on that. So. Awesome. And then follow, as far as uh, uh, you guys do Twitter and Facebook and that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. So follow you guys on there. Follow us on Twitter and uh, like us on Facebook. Yeah. And uh, tune in starting um, a week from Friday for our fall pledge drive. Help us get yes. that $70,000 goal. <laughs> hey. $40, $40 to become a member. Fantastic. Nice. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hopefully after listening to our conversation with Brian Craig and his lawyer. Oh yeah, who was in the room? Yeah, exactly. Which was, which, which was fine. <laughs> who also has a show on WEL? Also has a show. Um, hopefully, you uh, are going to tune in a little more often to WEVL, and maybe, maybe just maybe, if your city is lacking some public radio, uh, maybe you're going to university at the moment. You could jump in and do something. Or with with the interwebs today, it's probably not that hard just to. Probably not. I know I've gotten more of an appreciation for what it takes to run a station like that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It was a cool place to hang. It was. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.